healthcare system is broken, but it doesn't have to be. This is Revenue Cycle Optimized by Infinix Healthcare. We discuss the latest challenges in the revenue cycle space and provide actionable tips on how to overcome them at your organization. Welcome everyone. We're going to go ahead and get started. I am joined by our Chief Technology Officer, Navneet Nair, and this week we're going to tackle the topic of technology silos and how automation can help to get systems talking to each other. So welcome back, Navneet. Glad to have you with us. Thank you for having me, Kate. So why don't we start off with in your experience, where and how you're seeing technology silos impact revenue cycle, and more importantly, patient care? Yeah, I think technology silos are, I would say, playing a critical role in impacting overall patient experience and patient care across the entire spectrum. I think they're impacting both the clinical aspects of care and the financial aspects of care. On the financial side, everything beginning from patient access in the front office, getting them scheduled and getting their benefits verified in in prior authorizations done in a timely fashion so they can get the care they require, require teams to actually work across multiple technology silos, both on the provider side and the payer side. And then on the care side, just based on scheduling and physician appointment and caseloads, there is multiple technology and technology silos that have to be kind of brought together to ensure that the patient gets the care they need. So I I think, um, unfortunately, healthcare has a technology fragmentation challenge where there are multiple technologies being implemented. Uh, I call it a yet another system syndrome that uh, kind of promises to make life better, but essentially yeah. kind of adds to the silo further because you, what you do is you now have people actually having to navigate multiple of these silos just to get one process done. So I, yeah. I, I think it's it's become a very common problem. And as we see become systems become more pervasive across the life cycle of health, these silos will continue to emerge and grow in the healthcare arena For sure. It also seems like healthcare is an interesting industry in that we see these trends, right? And so it's the big switch to move everything under one platform, and then it's the switch back to (laughs) multiple platforms. So I don't know, are you see, have you seen the same thing in your experience as well? Yeah, I think as we saw kind of the, the EMR lifecycle come through, there was this notion of a giant system that actually kind of takes care of the care end to end. Many of the vendors actually kind of pretended to offer solutions that were end to end. But as you look at kind of the life cycle, the life cycle is far more complicated in today's world. If you think about a patient and you think about their touch point, right, from the point of them calling, right, they're calling either a phone or jumping on a portal, trying to get a scheduled on online, try to get to the right physician, and then they have to be told whether they have benefits or not, require prior authorization, that communication has to happen. They have to be, in many cases, be able to pay their co-pays up front. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a lot of different technology components that have been necessary. So what's, what it's meant is 
around the EMR concept, we have kind of have a lot of different satellite systems that have emerged. Mm-hmm. And all of these satellite systems actually have to be, um, there has to be care and feeding to ensure that they talk to each other. And, and what that has done is really added kind of uh, more complexity in the workflow for the staff, right? Where they have to kind of navigate these multiple technology components to really provide one service. So that's definitely happening. And we see that continuing. I think if we look at other industries, which actually went through this, I would say technology industrialization of their processes, uh, ERP comes to mind. If you really look at the ERP revolution that occurred in manufacturing, they had the exact same notion that the EMR had, which is, hey, we will be like a one-stop shop to solve all, all problems in manufacturing. And that what emerged is there's a whole series of systems in and around the ERP that really actually had to be brought into play to really make that process work. And we're seeing the same in healthcare with EMR. In many cases, there's a different billing system. There's a different EMR. In many cases, they are the same, but they have a different scheduling system that has to be bolted on a patient engagement system. So it's a, it's, it's a complex web of technology components that it's really needed to make this work. Sure, absolutely. Um, so we're going to dive more into automation, but I think if we can start with from your perspective, from a high level, what is robotic process automation? I think for a lot of folks, it sounds like a big kind of scary term. So if you could give us kind of the definition of that, I think that'd be a good place to start. Yeah, I, I think the big thing on robotic process automation is to remember that there are lots of, I would say, administratively intensive tasks that today we perform within the healthcare lifecycle. And, and I kind of classify the tasks in two different categories, right? Tasks that need knowledge, experience, and, and really need a knowledge worker to actually perform. And then there are tasks that need to be completed because they're part of the cycle, but really don't really need a lot of knowledge or experience to be performed. So what robotic process automation does is it can actually, it's, it's a way of saying, let's take those repetitive tasks and create a piece of computer program that can actually repetitively do the same thing over and over again. And mm-hmm. I mean, it's very akin to if you really think about, again, I use manufacturing as an example. In the olden days, the entire car on an assembly line was manufactured by auto workers. And today, if you look at it, in many places where there is a repetitive action happening, there is a robot that kind of just does it. But Akin to manufacturing, we also have to remember that it does not replace uh, knowledge workers. Um, They actually complement knowledge workers because essentially real-world knowledge and experience can't be replaced, whether that is in the manufacturing industry, whether it's in healthcare by uh, robots, right? So so as much as I like the concept, I'm a little leery of thinking of these as intelligence, as I've heard a lot of marketing around this talk about. Um, but they are, I think they're better suited for repetitive tasks that require limited logic mm. is how I would want to put robotic process automation as a capability. An interesting way to look at it. So what capabilities does automation have? How can it help in terms of tasks? Yeah, so I, I think just kind of building on what I just said, if you really look at it, if you look at the financial life cycle uh, in healthcare in particular, especially on the administrative side, 
you see a series of tasks that just seem to be things that are done repetitively. Um, the outcome or the output is important. So we do those tasks, but the outcome doesn't require a lot of knowledge or real world experience. I'll use some examples. Before a patient kind of walks in, a regular scheduler's job on a daily basis is to look for the patients that are coming in the next 24, 48 hours, ensure that they have the right eligibility and benefits associated to their plan. And if they require prior authorization, they're initiated. And what, what we realize is that on a daily basis, the scheduler just has to go through the skew of patients just to find if benefits are there. Now, finding if they're eligible or have benefits is fairly standard. You go to a portal, try to get the, the response looked up, and then you notate in your system that they have eligibility or they have benefits and what the plan is, right? This is a classic example of something that automation can realistically help, right? So you can take a task like that and automate that task. So, I mean, most organizations are, especially um, across the spectrum of large, medium, and small providers are actually uh, looking to see how they can actually eliminate this task. So the person in the front office is not burdened with it. They can actually focus on the patient experience, right? So automation is really focused on, I want to say, focused on tasks of this nature. Then in the back end, when you think about the revenue cycle, you're dealing with collections, you're dealing with AR, you want to make sure that you have submitted 100 claims to the payer, did all your claims get paid? Did you're constantly checking claim status? And you really have, I mean, you really have to take action if the claim actually gets denied or does not, does not get paid. But in most cases, you're just checking status and you just want to make sure it got paid. And it's another area which is kind of ripe for where automation could help. It can actually kind of automate the task of checking status on a daily basis. And let's assume in the time period associated to a payer, you did not get paid, then you, you can have a human take action on it rather than a human on a daily basis, look at a queue of outstanding AR and try to follow up only to find that the status is still outstanding and the payer is still working, right? So these are, I would say, some areas where automation can really help. I think if you really look at the administrative cost being spent on it, I would say on the front office, anywhere between 20 and $30 are spent administratively. And a, a big chunk of it is in these kinds of administrative tasks that realistically do not add value to the patient experience, but is critical, right? So you cannot actually ignore it, um, but they do not add value. So those are areas where automation definitely can help improve. Why should providers start to implement automation? Why would you encourage them to get started? Yeah, I, I think the big areas is, I, I think, and, and I've had conversations with a lot of provider leadership around this. I would say, just like everything else, providers should focus on immediate value. If you look at today's environment post-COVID, providers have come to the, have, especially in the back office and administrative tasks, even in the front office, a lot of other industries have been able to lure the staff that used to work these jobs. So what that means is that you are left with a staffing pool that is actually much narrow and also susceptible to burnout because you are actually putting more work on them. And, and if you really look at it and if you break down the work and realize that 50% of the work is really just grunt repetitive activities, you should be able to take action on them with automation. So I would suggest that value 
and speed should be what providers should focus on. Again, I think there is a lot of hype around, hey, let's build AI and intelligence around automation. And as a AI-driven technology company that Infinex is, we uh, ascribe to the notion of using AI. Uh, but if you try to take a very complex use case, try to apply a lot of intelligence or AI to it, along with automation and try to get value off it out of the gate, that might be not the right place to start. You want mm-hmm. to get some quick wins. And there are a lot of use cases that can generate immediate and they, that, that are speed to value in the business that we should be looking at. So I would say start small, but start with something that you can measure and get value quickly without a lot of investment. That's the other thing that comes to mind is the one thing that I, I would say I've, I've heard time and again from providers is just this fear of making large technology investments just to get value out of automation. Um, mm-hmm. There are a lot of tools out there that are saying, hey, buy an expensive large license, train a bunch of people, and you can actually get automation value. And that does worry the providers, uh, especially CFOs and operational leaders who are trying to be careful and more efficient with financial and capital decisions at this point in time, um, that may not be a choice you want to make. So again, just where do you start? You start with a partner that can actually ramp you up quickly with low investments, show you value before you make further additional investments, right? So somebody who can actually provide you some kind of a managed service around around automation would be where you should start with use cases that that are, I would say, simple to implement, but high frequency, high volume within your environment. That's great advice. In your experience, what impact have you seen in terms of automation on the revenue cycle and how have you seen providers benefit from it? Yeah, I I think based on the work we have done with a lot of our provider partners, I think we have seen some significant impact um, from a value perspective. I think CAQH's latest survey said roughly 80% uh, cycle time can be reduced, especially on administrative tasks with a 30% improvement in efficiency. Now, these are conservative numbers, to be honest, because we have seen higher degree of value, especially with some of our prior authorization deployments. We have actually seen 90% uh, reduction in staff time taken to work prior authorization um, because they can just get the work automated through our solutions. So I think that there is significant value. The other way to measure value is also, and and it's a key metric that I think most providers should focus on is I think employee satisfaction is a key metric. We have seen increased employee satisfaction percentages based on the deployment of automation. Now that sounds a little counterintuitive because because of this, oh, there's always concern about staff and staff worried about whether whether they will be impacted because of automation. But I think in today's world, in, in this post-pandemic world where staff attrition is a significant challenge, if you mm-hmm. can complement your staff with uh, automation where they feel that they are doing more value-added work while what they perceive as grunt work is taken away by automation and complements with them, it should be a way to actually improve the employee satisfaction metric, not just revenue and bottom line or cost reduction and administrative costs. So I think the impact can be kind of measured, I would say, um, across three dimensions. I would say improve patient experiences that you should be able to see with 
whether patient surveys or NPS, employee satisfaction, improvement, and of course, reduce administrative cost because of improved efficiency and reduced cycle times. All of this essentially at, at the end of the day from a CFO's perspective should translate into higher revenue and speed to revenue. Both of them should be kind of metrics that, that should impact. But I think you, you build towards that, I would say one step at a time. Mm. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about how providers can leverage automation in terms of getting disparate systems talking to each other. Yeah, I, I think, and I'll, I'll use some examples to kind of talk through this because I think it makes it more clearer. We've talked about how how the system silos can be taken. I'll, I'll take an example. The classic example that comes to mind is how much work providers today still put in because of incoming faxes, right? You have a fax coming in into your office, whether that's an order or a clinical associated an order or a mm-hmm. referral of some kind. And a lot of them are quasi-electronic, but they're images where you're getting the information. Uh, somebody has to look up the information, create a new patient if a patient doesn't exist in the system, or if a patient exists in the system, then mm-hmm. associate or create a not new order, right? And as organizations grow larger, these are orders of magnitude problems. Some of our customers that we deal with get roughly eight to 10,000 pieces of faxes on a daily basis, right? So, so you're looking at significantly large amount of effort. And what are you doing? You're really looking up the document, identifying the patient information, creating a record in the EMR. Um, automation is a classic example. OCR and technologies are really good at doc capture now to actually capture the information, create that patient record directly, and make it a seamless process without having a human to actually touch through that. On the back end on revenue cycle, you constantly see as AR is growing, one of the challenges I talked about earlier is you have to keep checking claim status. As, as you look at outstanding AR, you keep checking claim status. And we have some customers who have 20 people just dedicated checking status of the claims that are outstanding to ensure that they get paid. Do you really need that kind of staff? You could have apply automation you would need a small staff if it doesn't get paid to follow up on it with the payer uh, via phone. But in most scenarios, most payers are now electronically able to provide status of claims at a much detailed level, including EOBs and ERAs, and you should be able to actually acquire them electronically, identify if you're getting completely paid, partially paid, denied, and make those notations back into your billing system uh, electronically. So they, there are multiple use cases where I see that these automations can reduce silos. Um, in many cases, there, there is also kind of a lot of transcribing of information into pair systems. Pairs have actually moved to this whole world of, hey, use our electronic portal for most of the work that we do. And a part of the reason is they are trying to reduce their administrative costs. We have to recognize that. Right? So they are trying to reduce the amount of call center staff they have. So they are saying, use my portal now there isn't a universal portal, which means every payer has his own portal. And mm-hmm. and providers who deal with multiple large national and local payers in, in a market have to go to each individual portal to actually check status or get EOBs or submit prior auth. Do you really need to do that? We In many cases, automation is a perfect vehicle to actually solve for some mundane activities that you do in there, unless you're actually submitting an appeal or some of these things. But in ma- most cases, you can actually a- apply automation to actually solve many of these use cases. 
and there are many that come to mind right and in many cases what we see is whenever you're seeing technology silos where, where you ascribe yourself to this notion of hey i have to transcribe information from one system to the other right so you have staff spending time because you have a silo transcribing information from one system to the other automation is perfect for uh, actually doing the work of transcribing information accurately efficiently and for a very low cost right so these are i would say top of mind examples i mean there are plenty of use cases i think any provider operational leader or cfo looking in their organization can find uh, multitudes of these i think the question is which one adds the most value to the to the bottom line uh, most immediately as i said so i, I would say focus on those where do you see the benefits in terms of reducing those technology silos both for the provider but also for the patient yeah i think if if we can kind of eliminate the silos that i i talked about of i think the biggest silo is the provider payer silo where the systems between providers and payers really do not talk to each other very well for many functions right. and you really have to kind of um, intervene in that that those are ones that actually add the most i would say administrative value to the provider mm-hmm. but any of these um, functions where we you are actually communicating to the patient or getting information from the patient that you are actually and getting documented within your system whether that is call centers or others really automation can actually be uh, very efficient in ensuring that information is captured correctly and the information mm-hmm. is um, transmitted back to the patient correctly I, i would say there are multiple of these use cases where i think these silos can be eliminated if automation is applied and and again as we discussed these silos are a function of multiple systems and satellites emerging right over a period of time right so i want to give folks a chance to ask some questions while they're doing that what is your call to action where should folks start in terms of leveraging automation i would say the best place to start is look in your organization where you are being understaffed your staff is facing burnout mm-hmm. and you have tasks that are directly impacting revenue right at the end of the day i mean i would say operational leaders who are trying to get this prioritized by the cfo it would be good to build a good uh, return on investment model mm-hmm. and the best way to build a return on investment model is to identify things that either speed up revenue or reduce administrative costs both of which there are plenty of use cases uh, across the revenue cycle that that allow for those but I, again as i said before start simple make it complementary to your staff don't try to make it uh, as something that the staff is going to not like because they think it's going to replace them right um, yeah don't tackle big hairy problems right i mean there is a time to tackle big hairy problems but this is i, I would suggest starting small delivering value and and the value be measurable so I, i think front office is ripe for it eligibility benefits and prioritization come to mind and then in the back office there is um significant opportunity across ar and denial and denial management um there is significant opportunities for automation to actually reduce the effort associated all really good advice um we've got one question for you 
uh, what should I look for in an automation partner? Yeah, I think the few things to look for in a partner, right? One is a partner that can actually start you off quickly for a low cost, right? I mean, the way I look at it is that as much as there are a lot of technology, they are, they're not all built equal. And what you do not want to do is invest yourself six months and $100,000 trying to see if it's a science project, right? So you want partner who can start you off small and start you off fast. Uh, But more importantly, a partner who understands your business and the pains associated to the process and in the business. Um, I see a lot of automation partners out there who are what I call multi-industry. Oh, we do this in finance or banking. Um, Healthcare is not finance or banking. We, We may have processes that are inefficient as banking or finance, but healthcare is different. So somebody who can talk your language, understand your process would be important. Um, the third is, I, I would say, somebody who can actually kind of grow with you, right? As you scale, you want a partner who can actually scale with you. Um, because I've seen some some new players who have had conversations with some of our customers who have come to us said, hey, they sounded great. We got off very fast. And then as we wanted to grow, they could just kind of keep up with it, right? Or we ran into a lot of issues. So so those are, I would say, big things I would watch for. I would watch for somebody who can get me off fast. It's not going to cost me a lot, has a proven track record in some sense or understands my business and mm-hmm. somebody who's built to scale up. Thanks, Navneef. All really, really good information as usual. Thank you, Kate, for hosting me and have a great day. Thanks. Thanks for joining us. Subscribe to get notified when our next episode is online. For more information for how we can help you increase reimbursements at your company, check out our website at infinix.com. That's I-N-F-I-N-X dot com.